0: The Fake Show Podcast is sponsored by the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, Hash House-A-Go-Go, Brew City Brand Apparel, The Food Connection LV.com. and by Mr. Antenna. How do you feel about Charles
1: Every girl ought to have a daddy like Charles. Someone that treasures them as a woman. Someone that lets them do things for him, Whatever is necessary to do, you do it. <laughs> It's The Fake Show with Jim
0: Tofty. Those are scenes from the new two-hour special Inside the Manson Cult, The Lost Tapes. Over 100 hours of new footage has been found returning to The Fake Show, and she was, in fact, the youngest member of the Manson family. Diane Lake is part of this new program. Nice talking to you again. We talked a while ago when your book, Member of the Family, came out, and... uh, Oh. Yeah, since that time, I don't think that I had asked you about your feelings about Manson dying at the age of 83. How did that make you feel? Was there a sense of relief, or how were you feeling?
1: There was definitely a sense of relief. I felt, um, and I I still do hope, that his dying brings and brought closure, some closure, and relief also to the families of the victims.
0: On the TV special that is coming up, there are portions of more than I'm reading 100 hours of footage from inside the Spahn Ranch. What can you tell me about some of that, if anything?
1: The footage was taken during the trial after the arrest, and so I'm not in any of that footage. But it was very interesting to see, you know, the demeanor um, of the people that were being filmed at that time. Lynette Frome is in there, and Katherine uh, Scher, Sandy Good, uh, Brenda or Nancy Pittman, Steve Grogan.
0: What was their demeanor?
1: Some of the girls, you know, I mean they, they were shot holding rifles, and you know, we're gonna you know we're gonna do what we have to do. It was just it was really a side of them that I had not seen. But they were, like, preparing for preparing for this war. You know, the fact that, that Charlie and, and some of the girls had been arrested had no impact. It, it didn't seem like it had any impact. It was like they were going to, you know, there was just a little blip in their radar. They were just going to carry on.
0: Did it take you a while, Diane, to realize how programmed everyone had become?
1: Well, I really hadn't. I didn't have exposure to them after the arrest or, you know, after after I was taken out of that um situation by giving them my real name and my age. And so I was just, like, plucked out of all of that. But it did take me a while for me to not be, like, programmed. I heard Charlie's voice for, you know, quite a while afterwards or, you know, a few months. It took a while for me to, you know, recover from that.
0: You were fourteen when you met Charles Manson. As the trial starts to proceed, you're seventeen years old, I believe. Initially, did you cooperate with police?
1: Initially, you mean after we were arrested, right? Uh, in at Barker Ranch in the in the desert, because at that point we were we had been arrested for uh, burning this road uh, road grader. So that was in October, and I didn't tell them my real age and my real name until all of, you know, the fact that um, these murders had taken place and that, you know, Charlie and Tex and Susan and Patty Krenwinkel and Leslie Van Houten were, you know, being indicted and they took us to the grand jury. And it wasn't until then that I told them my real name and age. At that point, I was 16. So, and, you know, I didn't, it, it took a while after that for me to feel comfortable to really tell them, And cooperate with the authorities what I knew
0: remember you saying that uh, you're 14 when you were taken in by the family and that Manson made you feel really special
1: he just made me feel like I was you know really loved and adored and you know he made me feel like a woman as opposed to you know just a girl right (laughs) as a teenager that you know that's important
0: I think you described Manson once as being chameleon-like. In other words, you saw all sides to his many personalities.
1: I saw a lot of different sides, and it wasn't just his personality, but he was a chameleon in that he could like change his demeanor, his you know um, outward appearance. That would match what somebody else expected of him or needed of him.
0: Had you heard that Quentin Tarantino is doing a Manson film with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio?
1: Right. I don't know if i heard about Brad Pitt, but
0: yeah. Will you go to see that, or is that something you just want to separate yourself from?
1: Uh, I'll wait for it, you know. I'll wait for it to come out and see what people are saying about it, and then I might, you know, I might go and see it. But uh, at this point, I'm not chomping at the bit. To
0: right. Different for you than it would be for the rest of us, I suppose. You worked for years, didn't you, to separate yourself from that part of your history? What was it that kind of made you come out about it and talk about it again?
1: Well, it was nearly 50 years. Um, I'm 65 now. So I had... And I had this... My, my my late husband... My husband of 35 years died four years ago.
0: And right. so in
1: the process of trying to... Like find myself without him. I had this epiphany that it now was the time to tell my story, to write my story, and I had been going to um, this uh, high performance academy, you know, for personal development with Brendan Bouchard, and it was in that session that I had this epiphany. Now was the time to write my story i got a life coach through them and she helped me you know write and she was like one of the first strangers really that i had told my story to and she encouraged me to write every day so i wrote every day and then at the end of that process i found an agent and then that led to just that led to my co-author deb herman and everything just kind of fell into place and i really wanted to be i wasn't afraid you know to well i was affra- i was afraid to to share my story but not the kind of fear that i had had before to be associated with that it was very cathartic for me to write my book and so in the process of you know grief therapy and um, just you know finding finding myself and I was able to reconnect with that experience that I had really hidden for years.
0: I know that uh, it, it was important for you to get your story out, and, and I believe that you liken your experience to what it is for people to join contemporary gangs or military groups because they target on lonely young people, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And everybody wants to sort of, you know, you want to belong and if you don't have, if you didn't have a tight knit, you know, family, and in in some cases families were like too controlling. I, I know it doesn't make sense, but and as a as a kid, you know, or a, a blooming adult, you want to break free of, you know, the confines that you've grown up with. But some people don't have that. You know, they want they they never felt like they belonged to a family. And so I think that's what, you know, it's easy for kids and, you know, young, young people to get drawn into something where they feel like they're important part of the group.
0: Well, Diane Lake, part of this in-depth look, a two-hour special inside the Manson cult on the Fox Network, and by the way, narrated by Liev Schreiber. Nice catching up with you, Diane, and I wish you well in the future.
1: Thank you so much.
0: To say that Diane is a survivor is an understatement. And like she said, when Manson died last year... A lot of things were put to rest. Well, that is the end of this episode of The Fake Show. Thank you so much for listening and patronizing our sponsors. I'm Jim Tofty and I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.